I'm Fitton Cassidy and you're listening to Fantastic Startups and How to Find Them, the podcast where I talk to founders and industry experts about all things startups, from ideas to scaling. This week I'm talking to Jer Ryan, CEO and founder of Subs Ninja, the low-cost membership management and billing app that allows clubs to run their admin from their phone. Jer talks to me about his journey from software developer to founder, how he came up with the idea and why he'd recommend the New Frontiers program to people starting out. This is part one of the interview with Jer. Hello, Jer. Hi, how are you doing? Ah, not too bad. How are you? Ah, not too bad at all. It's been a busy day so far, which is good. Okay, well, that's, it's good. Better to be busy than, than quiet. Yeah, as my father says, better to be looking at it than for it. <laughs> he, he's a carpenter. <laughs> he's, he's just right. Um, Good to, good to hear that you're kind of keeping busy in these times. I know it's been it's been tough for a lot of companies. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, um, I suppose one of the questions you'll probably have for me is what has happened to this project um, in the COVID environment? And I suppose really it's knocked it it's knocked it back severely. Yeah. But um, once once an entrepreneur, always an entrepreneur. Once a you know a business person, I'm so used to fighting the hard fight myself and finding revenue and opportunities in loads of different places and because I'm a web developer um, it's probably one of the better occupations to be in because you can work remotely and I can always find work somewhere. Well cheers, cheers for cheers for taking the, the time out to, to speak to me I appreciate it. No, no um, problem. I'm interested to hear what you um, what you have to say. So is it the first thing that I was gonna um, I was gonna ask you was, I was gonna say can you can you start by telling us a bit a bit about yourself and, and your business? Yeah, um, I suppose I've been around quite a while. Um, a varied background. I'm an engineer, an electronics engineer, as um, from education point of view, and a computer science graduate from Trinity College, um, which I went back at night to get a degree. I happened to be working in a research and development um, department of a security company, but they 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 had a policy not to pay people who didn't have degrees um 40% less than everybody else so that encouraged me to go back and get a degree um i didn't really learn anything from doing a computer science degree except a bit of more of the business side that i that i knew nothing about and a, a bit of legal work but from the technical side i didn't learn anything but the piece of paper made a difference in the end as soon as i got the piece of paper um i could go back to <laughs> Um, the bosses I worked for and say, look, what's the story here? You've been abusing me long enough. <laughs> and uh, and uh, yeah, but by the time I did a degree and everything, that company folded. <laughs> but okay. I suppose it was still a worthwhile thing to do. It was something that I suppose everybody should do if they can. Um, one of the things that businesses used to do and probably still do is you know, they, they find ways not to pay people based on, you know, various reasons, not specifically to do with talent and their ability, but more to do with their, um, you know, their qualifications. Maybe things have changed now and that's not such a big a big deal. But looking out there, um, a lot of the people I've spoken to, how I've employed myself, say you basically have to have a master's these days. And a lot of people are looking to have MBAs and PhDs now before, you know, to make themselves more attractive in the um, to employ employers, but um, yeah. So my background is electronic engineering and computer science, and I've always worked in an entrepreneurial type of environment. In that R and D departments are kind of hotbeds of 
creativity. You're supposed to be designing products, new ways to do stuff, you know, both from the software and the hardware's point of view. So that was my perfect job when I was younger. I thought I'd landed, you know, the perfect gig. But I suppose um, all the work that I've been doing for the companies in terms of creative and designing new products and stuff like that, even if you went to them with a product idea yourself, they would gladly take it and you would just get your salary and that would be it. There was no... Uh, maybe there were maybe I was very naive and I when I say maybe I definitely was naive <laughs> um thinking that they would reward effort um yeah. especially Irish companies no absolutely not they're all um business people in the in the in in the best and worst ways um and profit making was was their thing and if they had an employee like that they would just use the employee for as much as they possibly could but yeah um the American company ethos were you created an idea for a company and they rewarded you handsomely. That's where my thinking was, but it, I've never come across a company ever. <laughs> it was a terribly naive thing to, to think, I suppose, when I was younger. But it started me on an entrepreneurial path, thinking about how I could, you know, what would I do if I needed to develop products myself? And um, I suppose I was working for a telecoms company in the States and in Japan, and the company went belly up and I was left in Japan um, with no income, no flight back, no stuff like that. And when I got back, I said I had to do something really quickly. So I just pulled together the knowledge that I have and I built a small little hosting business. And from that, I learned how to do business for myself, which I sold on eventually. And um, I've been kind of um, running a company called Active Online as a web agency for the guts of 15 years. Um, developing products for other people, um, software products, software as a service products, and doing some for myself as well. Uh, and I, I just called a halt with there a couple of years ago um, to pursue Subs Ninja and one of two other projects that I wanted to do full-time myself. Um, the Subs Ninja thing um, as a company came out of um, my activity in clubs with my children and I suppose one of the things that I wanted to do is I wanted to do something with my children that I enjoyed myself. And I'd done martial arts years ago and they were getting older and I wanted the t my two girls in particular to do something that was physical. Um, in the school, sports are, are good enough, but the rough and tumble of life is something that girls don't come up against very often and they're unprepared for. So I wanted them to do some martial arts of some sort. And I landed in a club, in a keto club in Tala. And um, as part of the deal with my two girls who weren't really enamored by my ideas for them was that if they would join if I joined. So we were kind of in it together. So we joined and um, I said they couldn't leave for a year. They had to do it for a year. And of course, I had to do it for the year as well. So that was a bit of a challenge in itself, being a kind of an older dad. But uh, I, I got to enjoy it, and um, they got to enjoy it, and we got to do a lot of travel and stuff. And um, the more I got involved with it, the more I kind of worried about the club's sustainability, because small clubs tend to suffer from time to time from bad membership or, or from low membership, and our club's membership seemed to be going down quite a lot. So the first thing I did with the with the with the the club owners was to sat down and say look i have these skills how can i help and we built a website and 
over the, the following year and a half, the website worked so well that numbers started to go back up. And as numbers came up, then there was an admin headache in relation to managing um, you know, the subscription collection, which was all done in cash and a kind of an honesty basis. People would turn up, pay the cash. But because they had to hire holes, the founder themselves himself had to dig into his pocket and he could never see whether he was been sustainable. And in often cases, he subsidized the club for many years. Um, again, I had a background through web development in doing membership management systems for professional associations. So I said to him, um, a small piece of software here would work quite well. And I went out to have a look to see what was in the marketplace for him. And it just seemed too complex for him to deal with and too expensive, too hard to set up and to require too much handholding. So I looked at it again and said, well, you know, having done this for large organizations, there is a lot of handholding in it in terms of getting set up. So I just sat down and I um, kind of looked at the membership management systems I've been building for these other people. And I paired them way back to something that a club could use quite quickly and in their mobile phone rather than on a desktop. So I wrote a piece of software for the club and it seemed to work out quite well. It kind of cleaned up the admin mess that they had in respect to their collection of stuff and got cash out of the picture altogether. Um, so that became really a turning point for the club in that they knew their cash position and they started to make make some extra money. And the extra money allowed them then to buy new equipment and new mats um, go on courses, fund some of the the um, the competition activity, the travel expenses for the club, for the members. And, um, you know, the, the club hasn't looked back since. Now, one or two other clubs I've been with heard of it or saw about it or I told them about it and they had a look at it and they said, yeah, that would be really useful for us. So I kind of said, well, maybe there's a niche here. And um, then I started doing a bit of market research on it. But I, the practical aspect of building it for somebody and going through the heartache and, and kind of um, customizing the application to suit the application in our club got rid of all the unnecessary code and unnecessary stuff out of it because it was, it was something I was using every day for the club. I could see how it was used and I was in a good position that I'd written the code. So I suppose I, I tuned it down to the needs of the club in particular, and I could use it in the mobile phone, in the club. Um, so I started adding bits and pieces to it to make it more useful in terms of, let's say, keeping a record of attendance, um, making sure GDPR compliance was looked after on behalf of the club, all sorts of little things that seemed to be missed in the offerings of other applications that were out there. And it looked like a very good little product. So I decided anyway, before I did full market research, to build it as a software as a service product to offer to the other clubs. And um, then I got a bit lucky. I applied for a, a, um, a position on a new Frontiers program. I was looking for ways where I could fill in the gaps in my knowledge in respect to building, um, let's say, an online business from scratch. And those gaps would have been, let's say, pitching for funding, the finances of funding, writing business plans for funding, um, for investment and pitch decks and all of that stuff that I had never really done before. I could run a business successfully. I could do the software successfully. I could um, build the application successfully. 
I could put it up, deploy it, run it, operate it and manage it. But I, in terms of funding it, that's where my lack of knowledge was. So I was looking around at ways that I could possibly fill this knowledge in and I came across the New Frontiers program. And when I read what was on it in terms of what they did and how the program was set up, like a fantastic program for me. Okay. Um, and I have to say it was probably one of the best things that happened to the project. It helped kind of push the project on and commit me fully to this thing and stop all other work that I was doing everywhere else and just commit to this fully. And can you tell us a bit more about the problem and, and your solution? The issue is, in terms of software like that, is why are they not using software already? What, why, ha why have they not felt enough pain to go out there and do it? And they have. And to be fair to um, the people at Running the Club, they had tried one or two things, but it was too difficult to get their heads around and the setup was too difficult and they weren't technical. But they had moved to using Excel spreadsheets and stuff like that. But the admin overhead of running a spreadsheet is is very heavy. And yeah. to try and look at it on your phone and try and who was in and who was out and who owes this and look at the bank balance. And there was no connection there. But because I don't, I mean, the reason um, professional associations come to our company to help them build their own membership management systems is because they, when they're doing it on a manual or semi-manual basis, they have two or three people doing this once or twice a year. And it's very admin heavy and it's very hard to follow up on. And, you know, it's all, it's all a mess. Whereas a, Peter, a, a, a computer software application can do this in its sleep. Yeah. Once you get the members signed up and buying into um, actually putting their credit card details in. So there's a couple of challenges that had to be overcome. And because I had overcome them already with the professional associations, I'd come across all the difficulties that this club was going to face with its members. And I was able to put together a strategy for them and advise them to say, well, this is what's going to happen if you do it. They'd loads of concerns about it, whether they'd lose members or whether people wouldn't do it or this and that. Because, because I've done it several times before professional associations, I could see where the problems are, what the difficulties that they overcome. And I put together strategies for these other companies that were effective and successful. So I basically gave them the knowledge of this expert knowledge in their club, told them how it works in, in, in the upper end of the scale and how they could get it to work for themselves. So all that information is kind of like missing for small clubs. They're just not aware of it. And they don't have the funds to go out there and employ somebody to do that work for them. So what I want to do is build a package where it's all done for them, basically. It's all done. Everything, their GDPR requirements, even even getting their members signed up with a credit card is done automatically within Subs Ninja in that they have one button to press in their application. And it looks after 90% of the work to get them on board putting in their credit card number. It just sends them an email saying them what to do. It It brings them into the interface within Stripe, gets them all set up, and it hands it back to the to the application already and good to go with their first payment already taken out. So, I mean, it's streamlining all those little difficult areas is where it's the power of SubsNinja itself. It's not the fact that it's an administration package for clubs. It's it's the way it pulls together all the onboarding as well as doing that is the, is the secret to this software's success and future success. I think what's interesting is that you weren't the first company doing this, but you were able to find a gap in the market by focusing on the pain points your club was having and creating a solution that better satisfied their needs. 
Yeah, um, there is definitely a niche in the market, a huge one, and it's at the bottom end of the market, and it's usually not that lucrative because, as I said, most clubs need hand-holding, and the more members you have, the more worthwhile it is for a club to get inv- for a, a company to get involved, to get them all onboarded and everything else. Um, so they're too difficult to deal with down at the bottom end because it just takes too much time. Um, it is a fairly active marketplace, and there's more and more interest coming into it now because of I suppose more and more people are used to paying stuff and paying subscriptions online and um, GDPR responsibilities in terms of clubs will be a thing coming down the line pretty near in the future that they have to do you know what I mean be GDPR compliant fully um, the COVID-19 situation has has thrown an interesting aspect to it as well in terms of contact tracing and making sure you know who's in the class at a particular time you know what I mean so keeping a good uh, roll call is going to be a vital factor in terms of contact tracing Um, so that's built into Subs Ninja already and it's a a missing thing in a lot of membership management systems because they're not really interested so much in who comes and who goes but small clubs are because especially martial arts clubs, because they need to know what attendance figures are like, whether they're qualified to do exams and things like that. So it's it's a tiny amalgamation of small things that were a, a complete barrier to the small clubs taking up software is what I've addressed, as well as doing the the subscription really, really well. Since a lot of clubs have had to, to stop activities or, or adapt in, in the current climate, what what should small club owners be doing now? So... So they're prepared for when their their clubs resume in the future. Well, I I think I think the safety of their members and themselves is going to it should be paramount. Um, there's a lot of pressure on clubs to get back as quickly as they can. In the majority, small clubs might be paying rent, and it's an unsustainable situation where they have to pay rent. And do you know what I mean? A lot of them will have to close and. A lot of people that I know who are running small clubs, voluntary, who had rented premises are in serious trouble and some of them have closed already. So I suppose there's a pressure on them to get back as quickly as possible and a pressure from their parents. Um, it is surprising to me that there is an accelerated opening time schedule for small clubs, you know, been, being promoted in Ireland and across the world and it's completely dangerous. So I don't know what they're going to be, what they're going to be able to do to circumvent that really. So take for example any small clubs like gymnastic clubs or BJJ clubs or Aikido clubs. There's physical contact; it's unavoidable. Um, I see that football clubs and soccer clubs can start back, but the recommendation is that they there's no contact, there's no football games. Um, do you know what I mean? But once they're on the field, I can't imagine people not playing games, do you know what I mean, and not touching each other. And, you know, the situation is 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 dangerous enough. But I suppose there's a couple of things that they can address straight off. Um, a lot of them that use cash, they want to try and get rid of that. So there's a non-contact method of collecting payments. So that's one thing they can do. So if they had Subs Ninja, for example, or if they collected payments electronically in some way or form, whether it's direct debits or otherwise, at least that would take that out of the equation. And that's a vector that they could avoid. Um, so software would help them out there. Um, what else can they do, really? 
what I was more thinking of what they should be doing, there's a bit of a time gap now between now and the period when the clubs reopen. And they should have a bit of spare time. And while they might be concerned about their work and all of the rest, all the time that they had invested in their clubs, they have that to spare to invest in their club now. So they should be having a look at trying to automate their systems and clean up their admin. It will pay dividends to them in the long run. It's paid dividends to the small clubs that have used our software. And while they have a bit of free headspace now, they should be doing the research. They should be checking out subsninja.com and any other providers to see how they can use software like this to better run their business. And the, the better they can run their business, the tighter they'll be able to run their business on fewer members until they get back uh, and running um, full time. So I suppose they should be using this downtime now to be looking at things like this that they've had on the long finger for a long time. And just have a look at it and see, is it an option for them and how it would help them? I mean, any club who wanted to phone me and ask how the software was set up and how it how how I could help them. It, it, it's not a, it's not a problem, and I'm sure it's the same with any provider of software and services for small clubs. They'd be more than willing to help them, you know, resolve their admin problems going forward in the future. You had seen the problem. You kind of built out built out a solution for a club, and then you you kind of showed it, or you brought in for a couple of other clubs, and then your next step was to go to the New Frontiers program, was it? Yeah, I, I was a bit ahead of the game for the New Year's program, but that's the kind of entrepreneurial activity and, I suppose, enthusiasm and ambition that they want to see, and that helped me get on the program a little bit. But you don't have to be at that stage to, to, to get onto the or apply to the New Frontiers program, except that the competition for places on it is extremely... Um, competitive so the farther you're along and the more ambition you can show in in what you're trying to do the more i suppose commitment you have to it the more inclined that they will look at you and your project as being a good candidate um it's a fantastic program not alone for the reason that there's a stipend in other words they pay um a fee every month for the six months that you do it it's just fantastic to have that opportunity to say okay I can focus on the next month now on building my business plan, on doing market research, on seeing whether this is a real go or not, you know what I mean, evaluating the project, even going as far as building your MVP. That's what they really want to help you to do, to build that minimum viable product, get it up there, trial the market, prepare your business plans and get ready for fundraising. It was just a fantastic program. So you're paid, okay, which is a fantastic thing. But when I looked at the program, I would have actually paid to do it okay. because they have mentoring. It's a taught program. You come in every so often um, and they do classes on the areas that you might have gaps in, how to do business, fundraising, um, crowdfunding, finance, marketing, social media marketing, um, web marketing. There's a few of them that I, I was an expert in the area already. And even though I... Like I went to the particular things, I still learned something from the other experts that were there in the room because nobody knows everything. Yeah. And even though it was an expert area for me, um, I still learned something from it. But in all the other areas that they, what they're really geared towards is somebody who really wants to go for it bald headed and do their own thing and try something business. The more advanced you are, the more benefit you're going to get out of it. But if you're thinking about it, this is the program for you, but you have to commit to it. It's a full-time program for the six months, so you can't be working, okay. really, at doing a full-time job and trying to do this at the same time, unless you are a business person yourself. 
Now, obviously, people have to pay their bills, and um, this is why it's such a valuable and competitive program is that um, there's a stipend that goes with it, which is around two and a half grand a month, which is fantastic. You know, it's just, it's just, it's just unbelievable. But regardless of that, um, I found great value in the program outside of that, outside of the the money, which was welcome. Um, the other great thing about it was you're in an environment with other entrepreneurs and other people who are suffering the same problems and the networking capabilities in it. I can't really talk about them enough. The people that were on the program with me were, I suppose, from all different industries of all sorts, from people in the agriculture industry making agricultural machinery to people um, running classes, um, um, nurses, people who are doing working in the healthcare industry, people working in the HR industry. There were PhDs in there working in, uh, in the pharma industry. Um, it was just a, such a fantastic mix of people and disciplines and experience that when you're in the environment, we can all pull off each other and we all pulled off each other for as much information as help. And it, it gave each of us a leg up. So the environment itself was one fantastic thing. The taught programs were one fantastic thing. The mentoring that they provided, they provided expert mentors in areas where you had gaps and they ran through your business plan. You got practice pitches among um, your peer group. So you got practice pitches among Enterprise Ireland re uh, representatives. You got practice pitches among um, investors. It was just fantastic. It was everything that you needed to prepare and go out there and do it in the real world. When you left there, when I left there, I was prepared. Pitch deck, business plan. I had practice sessions, whittled down my speeches, got rid of all the nervousness and felt confident to actually go out there and pitch my, my um, project for business. So I can't really talk enough about how, how good it is and what a good program it is. And it's worth pursuing. Now, there's quite a few other programs around there, but this is the only one I can talk confidently about because I was on it. Okay. That's very interesting. I, I actually didn't know you, you got paid to be on the program. The New Frontiers program is, is something I'd like to ask you more about, but I'm just conscious of time. So what we'll do is I'll wrap it up here and can dive more into the, the New Frontiers program and other areas next week. But but really appreciate you coming on the show and, and looking forward to, to picking up where we left off. So thank, thanks, Ger. Thanks a million. Uh, if you want to learn more about Subs Ninja, you can find them at www.subsninja.com. Or if you need help building your website or your application, then you can visit webdesignireland.ie and Gerald will be able to help you. You've been listening to fantastic startups and how to find them. Hope you've enjoyed it. If there's anyone you'd like to hear from or, or anything you want to know about starting a business, get in touch. If you like what you hear, don't forget to like, subscribe, rate, review and all that stuff. Tune in next week for part two of the interview with Jer. And thanks, guys.